0: This is Framed, a podcast where a group of friends get together once a week to talk about movies, what we liked about them, what we didn't like, and
1: how they're made.
0: I'm Elliot. I'm Robert. I'm Phil. And I'm Brennan. Uh, Okay, Phil, why don't you tell us what we're going to be discussing? No
2: no intro, no hellos, just go into it.
0: Well, this is the intro. You say on this episode. All right.
2: Hello and welcome to... What What do we say we are from? now? <laughs> Framed? Or movie club? Framed, yes. The Framed oh, movie hey, Framed. club.
1: Leave this as
3: the intro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello. <laughs> Roll sound! <laughs>
2: Alright, welcome to episode... Seven? Eight. eight?
0: No, seven. Yeah, you're right.
2: <laughs> okay, hello! Hello, hello, hello. Hello, and welcome to episode seven of Framed... Uh, I am Phil Bridgeway, and joining tonight to discuss a very strange and misunderstood film uh, is Robert and Elliot. Welcome. I've taken over.
0: Thanks for having What's me. What's this strange film we're going to be watching? This
2: strange film. You may have heard of it. It's called um, Blade Runner twenty forty nine.
0: It was a little indie film Just you may small, not have. Heard small of indie it.
2: film. The, the the director, he had a couple of dollars. He you know, he wanted to <laughs> make, make a small personal piece that meant a lot to him. Yeah, yeah. So it uh, debuted uh, a couple of years ago in one theater. Um, it grossed about <laughs> uh, forty dollars.
0: <laughs> well that that last part's probably not too far off.
2: <laughs> <gasps> okay, I haven't pulled up here. Uh, it it made box office reported two fifty nine. Supposedly had a budget of one fifty, so it probably oh, didn't do that great. But it was all right.
0: That's not that's. I mean they they made their money back. I mean we're not talking Marvel money here, but no, no, for sure.
2: We live in the era where Batman versus Superman making two hundred and fifty million is considered not great. So what are you gonna do? Yeah, and
0: Solo making a hundred million is considered. Oh, was a terrible disaster. But we're not here to talk about those movies. Uh, we're here to talk about Blade Runner. At
2: times, so
0: anyway. So, who all has seen this before this viewing? Phil,
2: uh, I had seen it one time before, and I'd been dying to for an excuse to rewatch it.
0: Yeah, this was my third time watching it. Uh, how about you, Robert? This was my first. Ah.
2: Okay, we got we got well, a so nice why don't, spread.
0: Yeah, yeah. Why don't you kick us off then with just initial thoughts, and then we can kind of go through this bit by bit yeah
1: so um Roger Deakins is my favorite cinematographer ever um so (laughs) I was excited to watch this film just for that fact um and it held up visually um I think that it's a beautifully shot film um and having just watched not just, but recently watched the original Blade Runner um, a couple weeks ago. It was nice to jump in and continue the story. Though I'm not sure <laughs> how resolved I feel at the end uh-huh. of
2: it. <laughs> I'm looking at uh, Roger Deakin. He's also a cinematographer for The Big Lebowski.
0: That's true. He's the uh, Coen Brothers' favorite cinematographer oh that's nice which is how i i was familiar with him uh before blade runner was through coen brothers Mm. movies but yeah he he is a uh master cinematographer for sure Oh,
2: show uh okay well uh i'll just go on the record saying that i watched blade runner for the first time only three four years ago and i was wholly unimpressed i did not like it whatsoever Um, so eventually I, uh, when Blade Runner 2049 started having trailers and whatnot, I was like, well, maybe, but when I finally got to see it, I, this one I thought was much more palatable for me than the original Blade Runner. I felt like original Blade Runner had a lot of stuff that probably we'll uh, talk a bit about as we discuss Blade Runner 2049, but yeah, no, I, overall I was very, I was pretty happy with this film.
1: Yeah, it didn't have enough um, awkward voiceovers from (laughs) actors who didn't want to do them. Oh, Um, oh,
2: let's. let's, Okay, wait. wait, Which original. How many cuts of Blade Runner originally have you seen? So I I have just
1: seen the originally released cut. Oh! The terrible one. The terrible one that everyone says I'm not allowed to watch, yet that's the one
2: I've watched. That's harsh. That's tough. There you go.
1: So yes, I'm in Phil's camp of I wasn't super <laughs> impressed by it, and I did find this one a lot better, though the I think the question we can all agree on that this podcast will have to focus on is whether or not the dog made it.
3: Mm, the dog definitely <laughs> made it. That's something
0: I hadn't hadn't thought about. Yeah, I, the dog made it, for sure. Yeah. I don't know. The androids also, didn't eat
1: him. was the dog real?
0: Ooh. I don't know. Why don't you ask him? <laughs>
1: Also, if we're just jumping in, now how do we feel about whether or not uh, Deckard is
0: a human or not? So I actually brought this up in the most recent viewing. Phil and I watched it together. Um, I think that they... First of all, I, cheating,
1: it, discussing the film, <laughs> not on podcasts, well, see, see,
3: continue. see, alright, here, well, here's how I justify okay, but...
2: it. I, I, I just say really stupid things. I was like, oh, yeah, 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 and he takes it all in. But I keep all, I keep, like, fine wines fermenting in my mind. I keep those and save them for just just the right occasion. Deckard being replicant is very, well, if you go back and, like, read original, like, interviews with uh, people, a lot of the production and cinematography team were very divided. Uh, mm. Over the years, Ridley Scott who is uh, a, an interesting director. <laughs> yeah. Uh, has <laughs> got, had his ups and downs. He, he's changed uh, his what he says in interviews over the years. Uh, at first, it was more of an ambiguous, well, you can kind of read into it however you want. But over the years, he's definitely come out and say that he thinks, or he, he intended for it, it to be that uh, Deckard is a replicant, which you can kind of see as the cuts, like more and more cuts of Blade Runner came out. They were more and more, like, the infamous, like, u- unicorn-like footage and things like that It's added that he had filmed for other movies, but then he added it to Blade Runner afterwards.
0: Oh, interesting. I, did. I assumed that all the cuts used existing footage.
2: Oh, yeah. So, like, uh, Robert, you probably haven't seen this, but there's a, sh- a couple of shots of Deckard sleeping in the original Blade Runner. And they work in this footage of a unicorn running towards him, and then he wakes up, like, in a cold sweat. So obviously with the ending, uh, with uh, the origami man leaving the paper unicorn at his apartment, you know, that's that has more meaning to it in that, you know, the origami man sees that he's a replicant is kind of what the impression is supposed to have. And This is, would be the latest cut that came out.
0: The final cut. Yeah,
2: the, the final director's <laughs> deluxe cut, whatever. Supposedly. So that none of none of that was actually filmed for Blade Runner. The unicorn footage of, like, a horse with a horn running through the woods, that was actually recorded for another fantasy film Ridley Scott was working on. He just had this footage laying around, and he just slapped it into Blade Runner.
0: <laughs> Classic.
2: Good, good old Ridley Scott. <laughs>
0: Such a so, Ridley thing to do. Good, good job. <laughs> so, yeah, getting back onto 2049, though, mm-hmm. I think um, the way it struck me... Watching it this time around was that they deliberately left that question ambiguous. Oh yeah. Yes. Because going into this, there's no telling like which cut of Blade Runner is your favorite. So, you know, they have that part where he's talking to Wallace, and Wallace says, "If you are indeed, you know, a replicant," or I forget what the exact wording was, but he they they leave it ambiguous on purpose. Yeah. Um, which I thought was nice that they don't uh, hammer you over the head with. Which way it's supposed to be, since it's clearly such a divisive
2: topic. Mm. If you go back to the original source material with uh, "Do Android shreep, uh, Dream of Electric Sheep," uh, mm. it's implied in that that the uh, protagonist is not a replicant. And uh, mm. s- the script—I'm trying to think of who the scriptwriter was. I might need to look that up. But uh, they said the scriptwriters were got, went on the record saying that Deckard is not supposed to be a replicant. So. Hmm. It's it's all a scrambled mess. Nothing makes sense. Original <laughs> Blade Runner scrambled.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so um. Yeah, let's. I, I want to go there. There, I want to go through all the big set pieces here in in the movie because there's a lot to talk about in each scene. Let's do it. Um, okay. we start with the scene, the fight scene at Sapper Morton's house. What what all did we think of that? Mostly shooting this at Robert because I know that you're big on, on fight scene uh, choreography. And so I want to hear your thoughts on well, that thought beginning scene. Well, I thought
1: that they did a really nice job of telling story through the fight and not just having the fight be a set piece. So, mm. like, we established through the fight that Kay is definitely a replicant. You know, he gets stabbed. Right. He doesn't, you know, even care about it, he just keeps going. Right. Um, so I thought that it was a really like good hook to get your audience in, make them care and give them exposition that in a way that wasn't just, well, as you know, me being a replicant, (laughs) I, you know.
0: Right, right. I thought they did a really good job of, of building the tension towards the fight, like letting you know that it was coming. Right. It it was definitely inevitable. Organic. Yeah, yeah yeah and the shot where um sapper morton comes back in and he's got this look on his face like he thinks someone is there but you don't see where Kay is sitting until the camera dollies forward and he's like hidden around the corner it's like just little simple stuff like that is just yeah
3: great
2: beautifully beautifully well thought out like
0: oh yeah after that we... He goes back to the police station, right? Yeah, Beneath well, he the... goes
1: back to his vehicle and does the scan.
0: Right, right. He finds the the flower, and then he finds the, uh, the chest with the bones mm-hmm. underneath. Mm-hmm. Then... Goes back to police headquarters, does his baseline. What did you guys think of the baseline test thing?
2: I, I got some stuff to say about this, so you should go first, Robert.
0: Um...
1: I don't have a lot to say about it. I thought that it was fine. (laughs) Go ahead,
3: Phil.
2: Okay. Well, I I found the whole, like, uh, baseline stuff to be kind of interesting. I thought it was, uh, you know, for what it is, it's uh, very, compared to a lot of the other shots you see in the movie, it's very, like, straightforward angles. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So I was kind of reading into it. Uh, apparently, that the all the text that you, he recites during the baseline, you know, talking about cells within cells interlinked, blah blah blah, mm. all that is from Vladimir Nabokov's *Pale Fire*, which uh, is in Kay's apartment uh, later in the m- movie.
0: Interesting. Oh. And it's, is it so? It's is it a poem?
2: It is a poem. Yes, the lines they use for the movie are lines 703 to 707, and if you go on and read the poem. It uh, describes how... So, like, it's, you know, poetry broken up from Russian translated to English, so it doesn't quite make sense. But it right. describes how the mind of any man is quick to recognize natural shams. The reed becomes a bird, the knobby twig an inchworm. And so that kind of uh, gets it ties into the Blade Runner's job of figuring out what the natural shams are between humans and replicants.
0: Huh. Wow. So, presumably,
2: <laughs> like... Uh, with, like, cause for the first time I saw the movie, I didn't quite understand the baseline stuff, and I just thought it was a weird. Oh, mm-hmm. it's one of those sci-fi things.
0: It, it's like a mantra for the Blade Runners, in a way. Yeah,
2: and if they they fail to do uh, pass the mantra, then they're no longer good as Blade Runners, and they have to be uh, retired themselves. So. You could also
0: read it as, like, if um, if he doesn't pass his baseline, then it's like he's no longer... he's not, Now he's the sham. He's the sham, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Mind
2: blown. <laughs> i enjoy that so baseline guy doesn't get enough credit
0: (laughs) so they they start scanning the bones he found and we learn that not only were they the bones of a replicant but it was someone who died in childbirth which is not supposed to be possible Mm -hmm. right so this kicks off his investigation to find the child and uh keep it from keep this news from getting out to keep the uh Replicant uprising from starting. And mm-hmm. that's kind of the main
2: um. thrust of the movie.
0: Yeah. So, do we go back to his apartment first, though, right? Like, we meet yeah. Joy. Let's talk about Joy. Oh, wow. Yeah. Let's. Um, so, from a technical standpoint, I think Joy is really interesting. Like, the way they do the, you know, inserting her into scenes is not like completely, like, they didn't just put like a 50% transparency over her it's like yeah yeah, it's like there's parts of her that you can see through but not completely so it's like it's 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 a really interesting um effect but you know really simple at the same time um and i like the um the fact that every time she turns on it starts playing like this uh this little this piece of classical music but it doesn't finish Mm -hmm. as if to say that she's like it's like in a in a musical sort of way she's like not complete so not human in other words is i guess oh, what i'm trying interesting. to say yeah that was how i read that i mean did you guys have any thoughts on the i mean i, I think it from... was more like
1: she was the last note like
0: oh interesting but i don't know off the top of my head what that is from that piece of music but that was how i read that cuz it feels unfinished like right it, it kind of just trails off. Phil, hmm. Um. Bill, thoughts?
2: Yeah, I'm trying to Either look at
0: Either on that or joy in, in general?
2: Uh, it's. I, I still don't quite. There, there's parts of it I'm still a little, like, trying to puzzle through. Like, mm-hmm. the, adver- the changing of the Joy advertisements throughout the movie in relation to what's going on with the story is also, like, pretty prominent, especially in the final scene with the yeah. Joy. Yes. See,
0: I did I did pick up on that this time, that, like, uh, and I don't know how, what to make of this thematically, but after, so, I mean, obviously spoilers here, <laughs> after after she dies at the end of the second act, all of the advertising for Joy is her naked. Mm-hmm which we don't have, at least I don't think we have up to that point. It's mm-hmm. like, now suddenly she's naked, and I, I wasn't really sure. That seemed important, but I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of skipping to the end of the movie. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't
2: even catch
1: that, but that's interesting. Yeah,
0: you're right.
2: And, and also, like, all the advertisements for Joy, like, she has, like, uh, pretty regular, like, you know, eyes for what you'd see. But when she, mm-hmm. at the very end, that scene where she's talking to Ryan Gosling, it's like yeah, she but... has, like black and soulless,
0: almost. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe it's supposed to, like, make you feel like she's a ghost now, because she's not uh, clothed normally, and her her face is all weird. Mm. Maybe.
2: It, it's it, They're definitely trying to say something, and I haven't quite worked through, kind of, my interpretation. I think ever.
0: it's more, just
1: shooting from the hip here, I think it's more, <laughs> um, he's seeing her as less human now. You know mm. she was right she was basically his everything. she's mm-hmm. the one that is pushing him on this quest, and right then at the end, he realizes that you know that's all stripped away. this is just a hologram this is this is just a machine, I am just a machine. life is just a machine,
0: mm. right, something else on this this last scene with Joy that occurred to me this time is that when the hologram is talking to him uh, it says to him, you look like a, a regular Joe. A mm-hmm. good Joe. Or something like that, which... Good Joe. To me... Oh, you look like a good Joe. Yeah, so to me that's like you know, obviously that's a callback to the earlier scene where she named him and uh, at that point we thought it was like a, uh, like a personal thing, mm-hmm. like to represent their personal relationship between the two of them, but then thing at the end suggests that that was just always part of her programming and that there was never any any kind of real relationship there between the two of them. Yes.
2: Mm. One thing I kind of was thinking about uh, if you combine Blade Runner and it's, it's hard to certain themes I feel like if you combine, combine the two Blade Runners you can kind of get more out of it. One thing I've noticed is very prominent is eyes in both films. Mm. Um,
0: Isn't the first shot in this an eye?
2: Yeah, it's... Uh, the I,
0: very first shot.
2: I want to say it's Sapper Morton's eye, if I remember hmm. right.
0: Yeah. but uh, Anyway, sorry, go go ahead. Oh,
2: yeah, yeah, no, I was just trying to think, because we were talking about Joy's eyes, and, like, if you go back to the original Blade Runner, to get into the Tyrell Corporation, they have to go see the guy who... Oh, he's in his little freezer room, and he makes eyes. They go up to see mm-hmm. Tyrell, the main... Uh, well, yeah, Blade Runner spoilers, whoops. But uh, the main uh, <laughs> android goes up, and, like, to kill Tyrell, he actually pokes out his eyes. So mm. there's, there's a lot of stuff going on there with that. And, and uh, you
1: use the eyes to figure out if someone's a replicant or a real person. Yeah, right, Jared Leto's character is
2: uh, blind, and he uses little drones to see instead of actually using his eyes. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So, I don't know. There's... Yes,
0: since you since you mentioned Jared Leto, do do, do we want to <laughs> talk uh, about Wallace? I, I
2: want to talk a little bit first about... the. I, I'm happy this movie kind of addresses the... Uh, oh virtual reality uh, uh significant other isn't a good way to put it but like uh house caretaker that uh, someone can like you know derive meaning out of because this is already starting to move forward a little bit in japan i'm posting pictures oh in the yeah chat now there's a thing called a gate box in which it's basically an alexa but it actually plays a little hologram inside this gate box and you you can hook it up to your electronics in your house so it can like turn on the lights on the oven things like that
0: yeah it's basically a little hologram girl that you can have installed in your house that it's, talks to you and, so it is not yeah. as
2: it just it's i don't know i think it's just a, such a fascinating concept we haven't really discussed in a lot of movies and i'm uh, happy that Blade in 249 kind of addressed it at least for a little bit
0: yeah it's it's interesting it's kind of black mirror-esque in that regard that it's, it's very black addressing Mirror-esque. yeah that it's addressing something that's not that far off from what we have today you know and a lot of sci-fi stuff like blade runner it does these like crazy oh this could never happen you know type things but joy is actually like i would say maybe 10 20 years away from being like a thing Mm -hmm. that i agree yeah yeah do we want to talk about wallace oh yeah um sure so jared leto is is a special individual (laughs) I don't know how much of his stuff was scripted. To me, it felt like they, it, with each scene he's in, they were just sort of like, you know, do your thing, but just have make at sure it you hit these these three plot points somewhere in there. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> have at it, man. Um, I, I, uh, I don't know. I'm not. I, it doesn't. It doesn't hurt the movie for me, but I'm not a fan of his character. His monologues. Mostly just because he doesn't. His character is is doesn't. It's kind of one note he doesn't Mm. go anywhere like he's set up as like the big bad but then he just kind of vanishes from the plot at the end yeah love is much more the the main love is much more the main antagonist yeah exactly i completely agree yeah he's um we're set up like so much screen time is given to wallace that we're you know directed that he is going to be important somehow but then he's not yeah
1: it almost seems like they were planning for Wallace to be this character, and then for whatever reason, scheduling or personalities or whatever, they like replace some of his plot significance with love.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I could see that. Or you know, maybe um, they had a third Blade Runner in mind, and they're holding mm. Wallace back for that. that, that one. That's
3: kind
2: of what I always what it struck me as was that. You know, in the days of you have to have universes and money, 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 serial right. films. You got to have something uh, for audiences to bounce from film to film with.
0: Right. Yeah, so that, but yeah, he, he kind of feels, um, <laughs> I don't know, a little superfluous to me.
2: Yeah, Tyrell, I thought, was a much, uh, much better character and well more used in uh, the original Blade Runner, the Wallace's, in uh, 49. Mm-hmm. It just, like like you're saying, he had like basically three main points he had to get across with his monologues, but they were just it was overwrought. I would say the whole entirety of the performance. Yeah, it was it wasn't terrible. Right. It was just like for his part. No, I mean in he's a story, fine he's a
0: fine actor. It just was a little out there. Yeah, know, oh.
2: but I, I I I kind of give it a little bit of leeway because Blade Runner is already kind of a spacey, bizarre series in some aspects. Right.
0: Right. By contrast, I absolutely adore the uh, set design of his offices, mm. with the the light reflecting off the water. There's a lot in we can talk shot. about the set.
1: Um, the the light reflecting off the water is cool, but the circling light when Ford is in there. So they Mm, go from being backlit to front lit to side lit, like just in every shot. Oh my goodness. I
0: was just geeking out that entire scene. (laughs) It was so cool. It's just like, just like something as simple as circling the light did so much to build the tension Mm. because people are coming in and out of shadows. So good. Um, so, yeah, so Kay goes to Wallace's offices to look for the record for the the bones, I guess, yep, and we meet we meet love um, what did what did we think of love as a character
2: uh i I need to go see who which actress that is uh...
1: I thought I mean, she's not a person, so there's <laughs> that, but. I didn't think she was defined well. I Mm. felt a little like she was there for plot and plot. Like, we we didn't understand why she was so driven or why she wanted this. And I know they tried to do that with the birthing scene and tried to develop her a little bit more, but Mm -hmm. it didn't didn't work for me.
0: The only thing that kind of hints at that—and I I agree that they didn't develop that enough— um, is uh, at the end in the the fight scene on the dam where she's taken K down and says, "I'm the best one." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is like a, a sliver of like yeah, that's the, probably. Like, why do you hate K
3: so right. much? Right.
2: Well, I mean, you also like you're working on the premise of so this guy makes replicants. So obviously, this is the replicant that you know he sends out to do his dirty work and get mm-hmm. what he needs to have done be done.
0: Right. I, yeah, so within that framework of, like, their robots, so of it, course it they're not going to emote perfectly.
2: It but, like, still, yeah, they just, motivation-wise, you don't get a whole lot from this movie.
1: It's, like, her motivation was to be the best or whatever, but her entire purpose was to find this missing link to make replicants the best. So, hmm. like, if she succeeds, she would succeed in proving herself not the best. Huh. Hmm. So it just seemed incongruent to me. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. You just, really, what you just needed was like some scene, or even just a couple lines of dialogue about how fanatically devoted she is to Wallace, regardless to of what Wallace, happens yeah. to her.
0: Yes. Right. That would have been enough. They didn't really. Uh, I mean, they had plenty of standalone love scenes where she's at the police station. Oh yeah. So you know,
2: you could have probably worked in something there. But I also feel like yeah. people in these Blade Runner-like projects, like Blade Runner, they are kind of afraid. They they have a hard time walking a line between saying saying too much with dialogue, and so they veer on the side of not saying enough mm. to yeah. leave it up for It, audience it is a fine
0: line. Yeah, this movie definitely leans on the side of not explaining and leaving it up to you to fill Which in the holes. Which I
1: st- totally get and I respect. I just mm-hmm. yeah
0: yeah yeah my per like everyone
1: else might disagree with what I'm saying, might think that love was greatly developed and was perfect. <laughs> and they're just as right. Like, Sure. Well,
2: I think you'd be hard-pressed, like, character development-wise to talk about anyone other than K. Like, maybe mm-hmm. Joy, but, like, none of the other characters, I think, really have enough to do or say to really get a firm grasp mm-hmm. on their character. Even Nairso. He was such oh, a dog boy! I, he,
1: he stayed, he, he mm-hmm.
2: aimed. Mm-hmm. He just wanted a slice
0: <laughs> of cheese.
1: He just wanted
0: some cheese. (laughs) Even, like, Deckard, like, doesn't have a whole lot of... Like, most of it is coasting from the previous movie in terms of, like, who Deckard is and why should we care about him. I feel like Um, Harrison Ford now just plays the same grumpy
1: old man whenever he does anything. And I mean, he's Harrison Ford, so he can. Like,
0: I'm not complaining. He can, yeah. But no, I mean, anytime I see Harrison Ford in a movie, it makes me happy. Yeah. You know, even if he's basically when doing he came the same. walking
1: out of the shadows with the gun pointing out, uh, the fanboy in me was jumping up and down, giddy. Um, yeah. But <laughs> you could have just as easily dubbed in Chewy were home at that moment, and. I... <laughs> Think the faces would line up perfectly.
2: Do you think he uh, once he was done from the set of Crystal Skull, he went off to the set of uh, Star Wars: Forks Awakens, then just went off the set of this without? Yeah, like, really... I think
1: I think he just gets flown around, and they say, "Okay, hold this gun this time, and walk in and look
2: grouchy."
0: No, no, no. He flies himself around, Robert. That's true. He does fly
2: himself around mm-hmm. and gets doors dropped on his foot
0: <laughs> and crashes his planes. Unfortunate. Um, yeah, yeah. Um,
2: Character development, love. Um, yes.
0: Well, actually, you mentioned you brought it up, Phil. I want to talk about K. Oh, like, baby. Ryan Gosling is like everything I've ever seen him in is just like, wow, this, this guy is like. I mean, La La Land was the most recent thing I had seen uh, of him. His prior to watching this, and it's just like, he
1: is yeah. very good. At doing a lot with a little. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Like, just, yeah, there's, there's, like we were saying, there's just a lot, very sparse amounts of dialogue in this, but he conveys so much with just his face in mm-hmm. so many scenes. In, in, in that... the
2: scene where, my, probably my favorite scene uh, after they go to the orphanage and they find out that the records are missing, of course, mm-hmm. uh, he's going, wandering around and he finds the horse uh, in the furnace from his memories. That shot of him. It's like an uninterrupted thirty-second shot, thirty to forty-five
0: seconds. Yeah, just a close-up on him. Such
2: a good close-up on Ryan Gosling. Like he just and gets then, so like, much out of it.
0: Like um, later when he goes to the uh, the memory creator, and you can just hear like the uncertainty in his voice, where he's just like, you, it sounds like someone whose whole world is coming apart. Like the way he's asking the questions. Yeah. And then when he has he like flips the table, is just like. You totally buy it he's like it's a very
1: powerful
2: scene yeah yeah i mean just his his performance entirely like it's just it's very he he walks the line between well him changing from just being a replicant following orders to Mm -hmm. near the at the end like he his like entire expression demeanor changes it's it's very i I think it's a like every time i've seen it i've noticed more and more about his performance i just think it's very uh Very carefully nuanced.
3: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: I think nuanced is the perfect word. Yeah. Um, So, speaking of the furnace and flipping tables, um, (laughs) how did you guys feel the red herring of he was
0: the child played? (sighs) So, I have thoughts about this, but I don't want to trample phil if you you just took a deep breath
2: i i I was just gonna say i think it is very refreshing compared to some movies we'll be watching in the near future to have Mm. uh subverted expectations (coughs)
3: Uh,
2: very well executed like every (laughs) once you see it from the other side everything leading like the entire twist and everything that makes perfect sense yeah and the way it's like revealed to the audience, I think, also is very, very light and very, very well done. I thought mm-hmm. it's a good reveal.
0: Yeah, it's very, very subtle.
1: They completely took me for the ride. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, with me sitting on the edge, thinking that I was smart because back at you know. <laughs> scene two or whatever when they're talking about a child, I was like, well, obviously Ryan Gosling is the child. Come on, guys. Um, And then the quote-unquote reveal happens when he finds the horse, and I was like, ah, I'm so smart. Yes, look at me. And then right before it officially becomes revealed, but when they want you to start asking the questions, like, I played into their hands perfectly. When mm. he's picked up by the resistance or whatever, and the wise woman without the eye, um, when she's talking about the child and not saying any genders, I was like, mm. Mm, it's the memory girl, isn't it?
0: <laughs> oh, man. So, like, the thing that i think is just brilliant about this is that they don't cheat and i think with mysteries where you're you you'd have to misdirect the audience it's important that you don't cheat Uh. i watched like the um the 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 first scene with the memory girl with this in mind this time around and like if you are like paying really close attention to that scene which i'm not you know i i it, they they like took me for the ride too so i'm not faulting anybody for not getting <laughs> it but if you go into it knowing that she says everything oh yeah she she gives you all the information yeah. you need to yeah. conclude that it's her but you have it so much in your mind at that point that it's him that you don't you it like bounces off your brain yep. and you don't like it's so good it's just like they give you everything you need and it's not until the end that you right Put it together in the right During order. During
1: that scene, I was like, wow, this is a very interesting character. It seems weird that we're just leaving her, but <laughs> okay.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, it kind of makes sense with how the story is structured that he's kind of hopscotching to different characters yeah, you know, like, different right. locations that... It, it doesn't seem that out of place enough that you don't realize it, what it could be. Uh,
0: it certainly didn't... Um, st- like, I... I my suspicion was not aroused no, the first time I saw not, it at, th- at that point not until it was too late
2: <laughs> and I, I think it was just like you, you can tell it was how well it was executed in that when it was revealed to kind of clue the audience in for the kind of the slower members like they don't show you anything out of like they haven't shown you before like they have a flashback mm-hmm. of all this all the what you might think of like information leading to who the child is they just replay footage that you've already seen
0: yeah, it's like I'm saying, they didn't cheat. Yeah, It's exactly. all information shown you, you everything. already have. Yeah. And that's such a tough trick to pull off because we as, as 2018 <laughs> audiences are so jaded. Like, we've seen all the story tricks, and we we're so accustomed to the twist that, like, doing that and legitimately misdirecting your audience and being like, aha, I got you, is, is so, so tricky to and do. And, like,
2: just the way they play the records room and they have the boy and the girl and Harrison Ford scrambling them, like, mm-hmm. the fact that at the time you're still, like, thinking along the lines, oh, it's K, so they, when you see the records once right. deceased, ones are still alive, you think, okay, that well, that's that's more confirmation to it. The fact that they do, like, twins boy and a girl.
3: Mm-hmm. Like,
0: ah.
2: So good. <laughs> so, so
0: good. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That's, um, hands so, down, so... probably
1: my favorite part of the film, was just that mm-hmm. they pulled that off so well.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Since we're talking about it, the scene where he meets up with the Resistance, um, I what I was impressed with... I mean, the twist is great and all. I'm not not saying the twist wasn't <laughs> yeah, the twist great. Right. But what 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 also impressed me about the scene where he's talking to the Resistance is that when they say that we're amassing an army, we're going to take control, et cetera, et cetera. I think lesser movies would have leaned into that and had like a bunch of like CG army shots and <laughs> big generic fight sequences to close off their movie you know but this movie doesn't do that it's like yes there's a resistance and you know that's going on but we don't care we don't care about that what's yeah. important. <laughs> yes exactly we 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 want to know what happens to these characters right so i got to give them props like that would have been the easy out for for your big finale is to have like a big you know giant cg army of thousands of yeah 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 it's like
3: mm-hmm. yeah
2: and I, I think that also gets more towards the thought of they're setting it up for a giant, like, universe, multi-spanning movie mm-hmm. type thing. Like, you have all these pieces set up with Wallace and The Resistance, but you don't, like, show anything with it. Right.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I would have said that I don't think they should do a third one. But then before this came out, I was like, they shouldn't do a sequel to Blade Runner, and then they proved me wrong. Yeah. So, I think if they get the right people involved, I think doing another Blade Runner... Could be you, just you have as good.
2: to always frame them as, like, character pieces. Like, yes. they're, it's what makes Blade Runner so great is you have all these giant, like, intergalactic things going on. Like, you have off-world, like, mm-hmm. wars and, like, people fleeing Earth and things like that. But, like, you never directly, like, see any of that. You always hear it through the dialogue, through the lens of whoever yeah. you're with. Yeah, you see like, how all, it affects
1: all... people, but you don't see
2: it necessarily. Which just, right. it's just such a we great, like, get... looming, like... You're trying to understand the world as you watch it.
0: Right, we never get, like, a formal world-building scene. Oh, yeah. It's like it's always done through Humanity contextual... is spread
2: across these nine planets.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess we, we do get a crawl at the beginning to get you up to speed. But, okay, while
3: like,
1: we're talking about crawls... Um whoever they hired for font choice should be fired because <laughs> that font is the smallest hardest to read <laughs> Stupidest thing I've ever seen. Well, this now, thing admittedly, is were, I was just pre- watching on like a 32 inch screen, and I know right. that's not what you're supposed to do. But I, li- I have good vision, and I literally <laughs> had to get up and stand in front of the TV
2: to read this is, it. This isn't your grandpa's Blade Runner.
0: <laughs> no, it is not. This is Blade I, Runner I for think, ants. Yeah, they uh, <laughs> Blade Runner for ants. <laughs> Yeah, I think that um, IMAX theaters was definitely their intended um, means of viewing the film. Well, really I'm mad that. about it. <laughs> no, I, I, I agree. That is a tiny font. Um, I think <laughs> when, when we watched it, I was sitting pretty close to the screen. Um, like, our, our TV at home isn't, isn't all that big. Um, and yeah, I, I, it's, it's not the easiest font ever to read. For sure. For <laughs> oh, show. Um,
2: can't hit it right all the time, Robert.
0: Yeah. 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 <laughs> Phil, you should, um, I don't want to steal your thunder on this one. You should tell that fun fact about the horse, the little wooden horse.
2: Oh, oh, okay. Okay. So this is something I got pointed out to me. And, uh, ever since I've every, uh, the subsequent two times, one time, two time I've seen it following. Cause I watched a bit with a bit of it with Ellie. uh, the the horse the wooden horse which is kind of one of the centerpieces for the film right there there's a lot you can get out of that if you look at uh how they modeled the horse like a little sculpture uh you can actually see the center of its forehead is actually sanded off so Mm. to imply that it used to be a unicorn but it's now a horse so it's very when you tie it to k so if you're it, it fits so well with Kay's, like, character development, I think, because you have Kay desperately wanting to be this child, but he ends up just being another replicant. So it's like, he desperately is trying to be that one unicorn, but out of, like, But all he's the horses. just
1: a horse. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And, like, in certain shots they have it framed, like, uh, after the, uh, oh, the prostitute comes over to his apartment. Uh, the scene the morning after, uh, she's looking at the she looks over at the table and finds the horse. Picks it up. If you look at the shadow the horse is casting, it, actually the ears are pointed on it in such a way that the shadow looks like a unicorn. So just
3: mm. the the fact
2: that they use the horse as such a like lovely uh, symbol alongside the unicorn from the first Blade Runner, it just it fits together so well.
1: Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure, that is cool.
2: I, I'm a very big fan of uh, nice subtle touches like that Mm -hmm. and like horses just show up throughout the film when uh oh after again like after the uh oh the records of the orphanage have been lost uh what gets ryan gosling thinking about his memories he notices there's an ashtray and the ashtray is uh uh this like circle being held around by a horse so it's like oh i didn't notice that there's a lot of stuff in the movie so i'm gonna definitely every time i watch this just pick up on more and more of that stuff it's pretty cool
0: so um, I want to talk about the uh, the scene since you mentioned it where the uh, the prostitute comes over to his house just because it's such an interesting uh, <laughs> special effect um, where she's overlapping with joy there's a lot of really weird imagery with like double sets of hands and like faces merging in and out like kind of going back to the the um what i said earlier about joy how she's not just like 50% transparent it's like they they do a lot of really cool stuff with that here where she's you know you see different parts of her kind of overlapping with this other girl mm-hmm. um it's it's very uh visually interesting and i don't quite know how they did it uh, um i'm sure it was
1: a nightmare
0: yeah uh, not not just how they did it in the computer, but how you how would you even film something like that right. where traditionally it'd just be between two actors, but you've got three and it's like you gotta seamlessly put it all together. It's like even you know nowadays where you can basically do whatever you want in the computer. It's I I still thought it was really impressive.
2: It's it's definitely it, it it's it's yeah I don't know. All the shots in the film are just so, like, kind of blow your mind if you stop and think about how they try to do it. Or how they would have actually gone about
0: doing it. Jumping from that uh, to another scene with holograms, um, let's talk about the fight scene with Harrison Ford. Because that was another set uh, yes. piece that stands out in my mind as being, like, really interesting in just the way that it's uh, presented. Um, so...
1: I thought that was a little too fan-service-y.
3: Oh. You think?
1: Because I thought that basically the only purpose of that is to say, okay, plot-wise, K needs to not die, so he needs to win, but we've got to <laughs> keep Deckard being awesome and cool, so we're going to do this 10-minute set piece about how cool and awesome and <laughs> crazy he is, and then just at the <laughs> end, is going to win for no reason.
2: Well, he's a replicant. Well, he's got to win. Well, so is Deckard. So is Deckard, right? Oh, but Deckard isn't
0: a replicant. Nah. Well, I was... I mean, that that's a fair point that in terms of value changes, it doesn't really do anything because no. we know K is just going to win. I was talking more about the uh, the way it was visually done where they've got that room of...
3: Uh, Again, Roger
0: Deakins
1: is, the... is king and mm-hmm. he can do no <laughs> wrong in my book.
0: Right. Right. The like I think again, going to like how this movie doesn't do what other movies would do, I think any other movie would have had, you know, really, you know, intense fight scene music there. Instead they've got these little choppy bits of like pop songs from the fifties playing from yeah. like this broken hologram machine that's going on in the background. It's just it's such a memorable kind of visual, um even if, you know, like you said, it doesn't really uh I, yeah, do I much agree. for the plot. I
2: agree with Robert, the, like, it's n- unnecessary, mm-hmm. but I'm just still, I'm so in love with the whole set piece that I, I'm like, well, yeah. Yeah, but, you know.
0: yeah, if you're, if you were being strict about it, you could have cut that scene and you wouldn't have lost, you could have gone straight to the, the drinking scene where they're, they're talking, but.
2: I, I almost feel like they did it just to give Harrison Ford something to do in the movie. Yes, <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's exactly what they did. <laughs> because. He's uh, The rest of the time he's either sitting or sleeping
3: <laughs> Or tied or up drowning.
0: Or tied up I did think it was a little comical How often we cut to Harrison Ford And he's just asleep <laughs> Like Old man <laughs> You can just sleep for a while Harrison You don't, don't need to worry about this scene
1: <laughs> You just take a nap We'll get some b-roll while you do that <laughs> Sounds
3: good
1: <laughs> That'll be two million an hour
3: Oh gosh.
2: Um, yeah, that whole that whole area is just such a like fascinating set. Oh yeah. The design I love the color choice grading. and like shot choice as well. There's a lot of bizarre choices I think in how they filmed that whole sequence.
0: Yeah, everything just being bathed in orange was was very interesting. Mm. Um, Kay walking through the desert is another one of those scenes that just sticks out in my mind. Oh yeah. Um, oh let's really talk about really, the uh, bees.
3: I don't understand!
0: Ah. Yeah, Phil and I talked about that this time. It's like, we don't... We weren't able to make heads or tails out of the bees. Um, yeah, I have a couple theories, but well, th- I don't them. really like either of them. Um, well, so my first comment when we were watching it was uh, sort of a meme <laughs> kind of comment about the, um, oh, the Nine Inch Nails song, I Hurt Myself Today, to see <laughs> if I could still feel... <laughs> Like Kay is so done that he just sticks his hand into a, a beehive to see if he, he could still feel the pain. Um, that's one interpretation. Does he get um, stung though? He
2: doesn't. I think so he's like one of the things is bees are like they only sting if they feel like threatened, like tremors of the hand, which we can't really control. But like mm-hmm. since he's a replicant, you know, he doesn't like tremble at all, so the bees don't actually sting him.
0: Right. The other thought was that um, the scene was meant to be uh, reminiscent of the Voight Kampf test from the first movie. That is like you're walking through a desert, and you see a turtle. Um, what do you do? And like, yeah, what do you do? The the like, perhaps the filmmakers didn't want to go with a turtle because it would have been like, you know, distracting. Like, oh, it's the the test from the first movie. So they went with bees instead.
2: My personal headcanon is that Decker just, like, surrounded his proper where he was living with void comp tests to keep androids out. <laughs>
0: so they would, like, stop and get distracted. Oh, there's a turtle here. What do I do with it? I don't know what I do with it.
1: <laughs> um, my personal headcanon is <laughs> that just like the flower, this is life returning. And mm. the reason he didn't get stung was because they don't have stingers. Because. They have no threat, no hmm nothing, enemy. no enemy. They don't need a defense.
0: yeah, I could see that i I hadn't connected that with the flower at the beginning, but yeah that that makes sense I don't know <laughs> it's, maybe it's, it's like uh, how Sherlock Holmes later in life became a beekeeper. There was a reference to that like Deckard is this retired detective.
2: I, I was trying to dig up some stuff on the bee scene, but I couldn't find hardly anything. I'm sure someone has some crazy theory explaining it, but...
3: <laughs> Phil! <laughs>
0: I think, yeah, this is... So Phil just posted a picture. It's not even a bee. It's an <laughs> ant wearing sneakers. Well, oh no, 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 it's ice no, skates. We are talking about ice Blade, Run-
2: Blade Runner for Ants.
0: Oh, 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 I see. That, big that, brain. That, big that, brain. That, was, that was from earlier. Yeah, I was
2: working on it. Working hard.
0: Oops. Um. <laughs> anyway, continue. So we got about 10 minutes left. I want to talk about the last fight scene um, on the dam before we close. Mm. Um, what did you all think of that?
2: Be, like everything else in this movie, beautifully shot. I wish there was more mm. time to kind of for characters to talk, but. The, cor- yeah. the Honestly, the fighting felt a little bit stiff to me compared to like flashy mm. action movie fights of what we're used to seeing. But yeah. it's, it's, it's good. The, the, the blows were really visceral. powerful.
1: Being the cynic that I am, oh, um, oh,
3: oh.
1: <laughs> I uh, think that it was a great example of building up goodwill with your audience and cashing it in at the end because... Why was Kay suddenly okay to be able to come back and choke her to death? And how did he get there so fast in just well, the nick he, of time? He, and... he
2: got he got the surge of he's, he's got to do the job after getting stabbed in like, his kidney.
1: But he like collapses and then she goes swimming away and then he's two feet behind her. <laughs> like,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, I thought Would it you... was a lot of convenience. That, that is they sure. get
0: They they do, like, lean on the whole, oh, but he's a replicant card a lot mm-hmm. in terms of, like, justifying, like, why is he okay? Oh, right, he's a replicant. Yeah, and this also, is, like,
2: post him getting beat up at the, like, desert, so, like, he's still, like, reeling from that.
0: But, like, are you asking, like, w- w- why character-wise would he have any motivation to go rescue Deck? No, I get that. Like, he has decided like, he get the at this
1: point that, that dying for a cause is worth it. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, I understood that. I just thought that it was a little convenient that he gets beaten, that she's the best, he's all cut up and presumed dead, and then two seconds later he's fine enough to overpower her again.
0: Uh. Mm. Yeah, right, for sure yeah the physical
2: the physical limitations of replicants are kind of left like they they use this a lot in the first blade runner as well they have uh oh i can't remember the actor's name the last replicant kind of <laughs> super manning his way through the entire apartment just doing whatever yes it, it's it's a convenient plot guy. device for the them to crutch on
0: yeah i i um Outside of that, like surviving the trip from the dam all the way back to the memory center, and yeah, he's like okay. Now I can die. Which Does he, know, he die? I don't yes, know. They leave absolutely. that ambiguous.
2: you 100% saying, dies.
1: You're saying 100% he's dead. I I know these I,
0: things. I, I think that's implied. Maybe um, he stops
2: breathing. I mean, he I was, don't know. I mean, literally had his it is, right kidney gashed out.
0: But he's a replicant.
2: Oh, it's a replicant. Do replicants stream of organic kidneys?
0: They do. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I I always took that to mean that he he you know his mission was complete, so he just decided to die. Okay, Robert, um, I, I but, do need
2: to talk to you about this. The uh, we didn't we touched a little bit about the memory center, but yeah. w- the use of snow in that in those scenes that you're outside the memory center is so so good in my yes. opinion. Yes. Mm-hmm. the fact yes. that the, when he first goes out and it starts snowing and he like looks at the individual snowflake and of course it's like tying back to how he's like unique and special and right. then by the time he goes back and he's like bring Harrison forward to see his daughter it's like piles of snow like this These all these unique snowflakes just get trampled and put together into these very amalgamous homogenous piles it's of snow not unique things yes. mm. ah it's so good so so good mm-hmm. I love that set
0: I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall for their uh, their like story treatment discussions where they came up with because I'm sure like ninety percent of what we're pulling out thematically was intended. Yes. So just to like hear them come up with this stuff would have been really cool. Mm-hmm. Overall, like this this was one of my favorite movies that came out last year, and I I imagine that I'm gonna be rewatching it. You know, a number of times in the future, I I love this movie. Like I, I don't get tired of watching this, this movie. I, I I've actually watched this more now than the original Blade Runner. Um. <laughs>
1: Assuming that uh, next week's film doesn't blow me away, <clears throat> um, I think it's safe to say this film wins the month for me.
0: Yeah, um, same here. It's certainly out of the four that we we picked for movies from 2017 as our theme, like, I think this one is, again, assuming next month <laughs> doesn't just knock my socks off. Mm. Right.
2: I, like, I really like Three Billboards, like, the acting in it. The, the, oh, yeah. The character acting in that almost is enough to win me over to say mm-hmm. that was my favorite. That's so far. Assuming... <clears throat> Uh, I think I almost think enough to say I like that the most but Blade Runner just like visually is just so stunning.
0: Blade Runner just has a lot going for it visually and also thematically. Yes. Like I think Three Billboards works best as like uh, caricatures and like black comedy. I think Blade Runner has got a little bit more heft to it. I mean both are outstanding movies for sure. Um, I I'm just and, a we, and then full we don't admiration talk about Shape of Water. of
2: uh Villeneuve for being able to like take the Blade Runner universe make a movie that isn't terrible, following it, but still like <laughs> yeah. keep the core aesthetics of what I consider Blade Runner universe mm-hmm. pretty crystalline, and yeah, distilling it, 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 it down from the kind of the boggy haze of the first one. This one is a it much does what a,
0: yeah. It does what a sequel is supposed to do, which is like build on the original and not be a slave to it, and also do its own thing.
2: It's just very, very, very well done from that perspective. What, what he had to work with, I thought, it was absolutely masterwork. Mm-hmm. Oh, we never did ratings. How we all would rate this movie on a scale.
0: Which which rating system did we decide to go with for this podcast? Are we doing A to F or <laughs> 0 to 10, 0 to 5?
2: Let's go uh, 1 to 64. <clears> hmm <throat> Uh, we, I, I think we'd been doing zero to uh, zero to ten.
1: I give it nine ice skating ants with blasters out of
0: ten.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I think I would. I would go for an eight point five or a nine. Um, yeah, I. I have like all the stuff we complained about are just kind of quibbles in my opinion. Like I, yes. I don't have any major gripes uh, against this movie. That Jared would keep Leto me drags from, the uh, down to a nine.
3: <laughs> oh,
0: I'm not. I'm not gonna deny that. Oh, we never talked what, about, about. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say we never talked
2: about the Rachel CGI.
3: Oh, oh yeah, yeah. We,
0: we gotta talk about that. Okay, so um, this time around, I was watching it because I knew that that whole sequence was um, completely, you know, computer animatronic. Yeah, it was like uh, Grand Moff Tarkin from Rogue One. It was like. They ha- I think they had the original actress there to do motion capture, but. Oh, that's cool. It was. What you saw, yeah, I don't. I don't. I'm, I'm like half convinced of that. Somebody should go fact check me. Um, <laughs> Checking. But, um, yeah, she was completely CG. So I was watching for seams this time. And to be honest, like, it looked seamless to me. Like, I didn't see anywhere where it looked, like, wobbly like it did with Rogue One. Yeah. Um, but what did you guys think? I completely bought it. And I mean, I
1: only saw it the one time, but like, I knew that I shouldn't believe my eyes, but I believed them.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think that um, they were really smart in the way they lit it. Also, the fact that, like we were talking about earlier, it's like you got the rotating light with light and shadow, you know, kind of coming in and out. So by design, you never get a really good look at her. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Rogue one like they put their their CG characters out front and center, which I think was a mistake. Here they like kind of you know kept her kept you from getting a really good look at her right. just the way it was cut and the way it was lit, which I think was really smart.
2: Apparently they did use her uh, they did use her for like just the uh, modeling of the skull and the features but mm. they had a body double to perform on set.
0: Oh, okay. Never mind then. So, but the original actress was involved. Oh, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. No, they, they built the model off of her. Hmm. One, one interesting thing I, I hadn't thought of, we were talking about that scene with the rotating light. Like, that, like, they are talking about what a nightmare was to make sure that that light matched her oh, as it was I can't rotating imagine. around the room.
0: Right, because she was, like, planted in later in post. <laughs> and, yeah, to get her lighting to match up. Oh, my goodness. Mm. Still the right decision, I think. Yeah, Yeah, it was good. Phil, what would you rate this? Zero oh, to rating? Uh,
2: I think this is probably my quintessential, like, when you have a rating system, you have, like, kind of uh, certain movies or whatever to demarcate where your rating's, mm-hmm. like, this is clearly a 9, this is clearly a 10, this is clearly a right. right, etc. This is probably my demarcation for what it takes to be a 9. Like, mm-hmm. it has some flaws, but the the merits of the movie out far outweigh any like nitpicks I could pick out on it. I just thoroughly really sure. enjoyed this film. Yeah, it, there's enough there that I'm like I can't like give it a ten. It's definitely not a ten, but I mm-hmm. definitely a nine. Easy. Cool. Cool. Cool.
0: Cool. 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 So, next time.
2: Next time. What are What are we doing next time? I can't remember.
0: Well, um, Brennan, who is not here, mm. picked. A controversial film from last year. You're just a
2: manchild. Uh,
0: <laughs> we we are going to be reviewing to round off our um, 2017 review theme. We're going to be reviewing um, Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi. Well, which which version are we going to wait for them to remake <laughs> it or? Uh, right. I I I hope that that uh, that campaign gets the attention it deserves from <laughs> <in, in> Lucasfilm. <laughs> <laughs> did you see ryan johnson retweeted it
3: yes uh, i will
0: i will you know whatever else you might think about ryan johnson that was pretty funny when he retweeted that
2: uh i i have many 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 a thought
0: well we'll save it for next time Hold um and i think we'll have brennan back it'll be a four-man a movie um <clears throat> review of the last jedi um we've all seen it right yes right?
2: Oh yes, yeah. Surprisingly, I think I've only seen it once. So I've, I've seen, only it twice. seen it twice. Once,
0: so excited for the rewatch.
2: Oh man, it's, it's gonna be good. It's gonna be good.
0: <laughs> well, and like like we uh, talked about earlier, I think it'll be interesting to have Blade Runner as like a a foil to it to compare, because there are some there is some thematic overlap. Expectations sure. were subverted. Expectations were subverted. Main characters were not important. Um, there there will be some comparisons, probably. A
2: good cinematographer versus a bad cinematographer.
0: Ooh, oh, hold it in. Hold, hold it, it in, 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 Phil.
2: Hold it in. Don't. Okay. Stop.
1: The umberds
0: will come.
1: Oh! <laughs> See, I'm going to show up, and I'm just going to play Devil's Advocate, and I'm going to be wearing all my uh, no. Star Wars garb, and I'm going to do it all in a Yoda
0: impression. It's going to be great. Uh, uh, with backward sentences. No, unironically that movie, would... Same you cannot. I, I, I think that that would make things healthier if somebody did play Devil's oh, Advocate, yeah, for and, sure. and talk about the merits, and... We'll have Brennan do I think, that. I think we're... Well, I think Brennan is in the same camp as us in terms of opinions, <laughs> but... I think that like having somebody to counter because I think we're all going to kind of parrot the same complaints oh, yeah. about it. So to have somebody not, my do that, complaints are new we'll,
2: and unique, and no one has heard them before. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, okay, so thanks yeah. for listening, whoever you might be. <laughs> thanks for potting, guys. P-p-pot. Yeah, it was Alrighty. fun.
2: Hello and goodbye. See you next week.